Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP. And with me, as always, you love them, you listen to them. I got Father Chuck and Matt Wells. My friends, how are you? Doing all right. I, I feel a little weird because this is our first time ever recording. We're in three separate locations. Yeah. And and it's all because um, Matt decided to treat me like I'm patient zero <laughs> because I'm recovering from the flu and he's terrified that I'm like going to give him some kind of disease. And so he like demanded fashion. today that I that I record from my own office so that I'm like. 20, 30 miles away from him. Not not some kind of disease. The flu. <laughs> like, it's pretty Did you not clear. get your flu shot, Matt? I Otherwise, did. you'd have nothing to worry about. I did get my flu shot, actually. But well, that's, what are you, a little, that's, a little over, overprotective much. That's, that's not how it works. First of all, your flu shot only reduces your risk by 40%. So you still have a pretty good risk of getting the flu. And the flu shot is only made, it is derived from the three, I believe, top... Um, most expected strains to be present, meaning if somebody gets one of the millions of other strains of flu, your flu shot is pointless. It only helps against the three common ones. It's still really funny that you quarantined Chuck, though. I did quarantine him in Boca Raton. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we're talking about the flu because in this episode, to continue our little Halloween series, we're talking about death. Let's talk about 2016 for a second. Okay. Uh, first, first of all, there's this meme going on uh, that 2016 is basically the Grim Reaper. Yeah, a lot of influential people have have passed this year. Uh, David Bowie, Prince, Gene Wilder, Alan Rickman. Am I missing any? Anton Yel- uh, Yel- Yel- Yelchin. Anton Yelchin. And uh, yeah, some other greats. Uh, so the, <laughs> the big so many meme, that we, I mean, literally so many that we forget. It's true. So the big meme is that like 2016 is, is killing all of our favorite people. Um, however, uh, I, I don't like this meme, uh, because I think it's a very, uh, sort of immature and childish way, uh, for our generation to approach the inevitability of death. Well, and it's, it's, it's just like, it's randomly assigned numbers to the particular rotation around the sun that we have determined from a point in history and, you know, in time that's loosely affiliated maybe with the birth or death of Jesus, depending on what you're doing. But like, it's, it's just, it, they're just, it's just random numbers. It doesn't have a will. Right. It doesn't, it's just, it just happens. It's not like on destination. Yeah. Like lots of people die every year. It just so happens that this year, many of them were famous. Right. And the reason why I don't like the meme so much is because it sort of detaches the idea that death is a part of life. Right. So that's kind of what I want to talk about. Well, and I, I'm glad you're bringing this up, JP, because it just it's very pertinent um, um, to my to my time frame right now um, in a number of ways. But particularly because um, I just today was in Spanish classes in the middle school where I teach talking about the uh, Dia Los Muertos, the oh, Day of the Dead, Dead, and talking about the ways that it connects with the Christian festivals of um, of um, Halloween, All Hall- or All Saints Day, and All Souls Day, and talked about how you know in a lot of other parts of the world, death is a pretty regular thing in life, and that we Americans have this really strange, when you look at it from a global scale, very strange avoidance of death. That's very true. I was actually thinking about this today. I was thinking about 
the holiday of Halloween and its association with death and how the evangelical church or, or any church, whatever, largely sort of separates itself from the holiday of Halloween, especially because death is a part of it. I think it's a great idea. I think that Dia Dos is it Dia? I'm not. I'm going to say it wrong. There, there are a lot of ways of saying it. There's the <laughs> Dia, the Dia los Muertos, or the uh, Dia de los Muertos. I think the idea of the Day of the Dead is a great idea, and I feel like it's something that that is severely lacking in our culture. Um, I think it's something that's severely lacking in our culture because if, if I remember, if I know correctly, I mean, I haven't like look, looked intimately into the Day of the Dead, but I know it's about honoring ancestors that have passed correct correct i mean it's 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 two days um i don't know if it's universal across mexico the way that it works but november 1st is sometimes called the day of the little angels and that's the day that um commemorates um children who have died Mm -hmm. and then there's the traditional day of the dead which will be on november 2nd in that in that circumstance but it's still you know but then there's the the vigil on the night before which corresponds with our halloween Sort of idea, right? I I just think it's a good idea, and I think it's something our culture uh, really needs—a day to remember those uh, our loved ones who have passed away. Absolutely. You know, what's interesting though is that um, I personally do remember uh, family members that have passed on Halloween every year, at least for the past five years or so, because my grandmother on my dad's side of my family actually passed away on Halloween in two thousand nine. Interesting. It's very emotional because we loved her very much. And uh, she was sort of the matriarch of the family, but she was, you know, she was pretty old. She was in her 80s. She lived a very long and very awesome life. So, yeah, it was it was sad to watch her pass away. And, you know, especially on, on a holiday like Halloween that I love and cherish, you know, most of my life. Um, but when when she passed away on that day, that the Halloween sort of took on a new definition for me. And what was interesting is that the day she she passed away, she was actually in hospice care. Uh, in our house. She was in my room. She passed away. And later that day, um, we tried to just kind of do things normally. And we actually opened up the house for for trick-or-treating. Um, I mean, that she was already taken out of the house. When we did right. but, but, <laughs> yeah. Sweet way to scare some kids. <laughs> but it was actually the first time I ever did uh, trick-or-treating, like from the, the candy giver uh, perspective. Okay. And it was just a really, it was just, I feel like I, I experienced Halloween for like what it really should be. And it's sort of about confronting death, not like in a perilous nature, but sort of coming to terms with it. Yeah. Uh, and also remembering people. Well, what I'm really excited about, I mean, I'm really excited that I got that, this opportunity to talk with the, with the, with the seventh graders today in their Spanish class about um, the day of the dead. And I'm also excited because this is corresponding. So one of the things that we're doing is um, the Spanish classes are going to be building um, the ofrendas, the, the altars oh. that are affiliated with it, with like the little skulls and everything and like pictures of loved ones and the whole marigolds and all the stuff that goes along with the Day of the Dead. They're going to be building those on campus, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but we're also at the same time, I really last year felt very convicted around a lot of the same stuff you're talking about here, JP. And I felt that it was important for the church, for us in the church to take the feasts of, of, of All Hallows' Eve, um, All Saints' Day, and All Souls' Day seriously. And so I'm actually going to be saying Mass, um, All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day. And we're going to, um, 
on Wednesday night um, of All Souls Day, um, we're going to, so this is a plug if anybody's in South Florida and wants to come to this, um, we're going to, um, at the end of the service, we're going to actually process from the church with lit candles um, out to our labyrinth that we have, and we're going to light candles and say prayers for the dead um, out there. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. so um, like I'm gonna have a sand, like a sandbox kind of thing for them to stick, for folks to stick the candles in, and they'll say their loved ones' names out loud. And um, but we're gonna really try to do an effort around this because it, it really is important, and it's and it's interesting from a church standpoint because things have changed so much. Like churches nowadays can't have um, churches nowadays can't have cemeteries. Really. Uh, yeah, it's a special designation thing. Um, only old churches that had them before are allowed to are allowed to continue having them. And I know it's a continued issue. And there's like issues around churches even having columbariums, which is where um, ashes are interred. Um, and so, like new churches typically don't have cemeteries. And you know, you go to an old church and you see the old cemetery outside the church. You walk in the front doors and you walk past the gravestones of people who were members of that church before. It's such a cool, it's such a cool thing. Yeah, um, to sort of recognize the the history and longevity of a place, and you get to see a visual reminder of these people who, in a lot of ways, are still kind of part of that community. You know, if like if you go to St. Paul's Chapel in New York City over by um, World Trade Center, there's all these there's this huge cemetery part attached to it, and there's like famous Americans mm-hmm. who are buried there um, because they used to pray and worship at that chapel. You know, so that kind of stuff, we're, we're, we're missing that because we ignore death. We want to, we want to, you know, we, we cremate people and we spread their ashes somewhere and we don't have a marker for them because we just want to get it done and out of the way so we right. can continue having a, having a good time and not, and, and not think about this really nar- dark and negative thing in our life. Can I ask you guys something that's sort of a lighthearted question? Sure. Um, have you guys ever like just wandered through a graveyard before? One of our classes in PVA actually took us to do that, <laughs> so I yeah. actually oh, wandered, that's right. yeah, we, I actually yeah. wandered through the graveyard with Father Chuck. Um, that's right. And you uh, know what's? I believe he yeah. was. I believe he spent most of the time talking about Chuck Palahniuk, but that was a different discussion. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's funny about that graveyard? Probably true. <laughs> the graveyard that Matt's talking about it's located right next to where we went to school at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and um, the funeral home is right there too, like on practically on campus. That funeral home's gone now, by the way. Oh, really? That's sad. Yeah, the family He's... sold the building to the school, and now it is a parking lot. Uh, well, it's it's funny because like that that the this location, like with the graveyard right there and the funeral home it, in, in our middle of our campus, inspired a lot of stories for me while we were there. I'll just say real quick. On time, I was um, I gave a tour to some just prospective students. I don't know how I got on that. It was a terrible idea that anyone ever let me do that. <laughs> But I convinced them that that the uh, funeral home was used for our pre-med students for them to learn about, like, the human body <laughs> and that, like, it was, like, actually part of our campus. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, what's kind of weird is that I, I, I've seen that cemetery, like, most of my life in that funeral home, and I always wondered, like, is, is that where I'm going to end up? I have I to mean, pass by this cemetery and this, and this funeral home every day while I was at, you know, PBN and learning, like – that might be like my final resting place right there. You could, you could, you could make that happen, dude. <laughs> Probably. You could buy your, you could buy your grave plot now and have it ready. That's true. That's a little weird. I don't think I could do that. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Um, <laughs> but the, you, if you, you've, have you wandered through a graveyard before, Chuck? I mean, I, I guess the the one cemetery or whatever. Well, the... Other than that one, I'll answer the other two. Other than that one, I did. Um, up in North Florida, we have property out in the middle of nowhere called uh, in, in Branford, Florida. 
And um, driving to the property one day, I noticed a sign that said cemetery pointing down like this dirt road through the woods. Mm -hmm. So I went to that one and and wandered around a while. Y'all don't go down that road. Just to see, uh, (laughs) just to see the the cemetery out there. (laughs) Some pet cemetery. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. So yes. So other than the one at PBA, that was a class uh, field trip, I guess, to the cemetery. (laughs) Um, I, I did. I wandered around that one also. And then there was a, been in, there was one scavenger hunt with our youth group that wound up in a cemetery. So okay. yeah, I've been I've been in many cemeteries. Uh, not only the one with Matt, but I've also That's been part of your um, job. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of churches. I visit lots of churches that 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 have had them. Um, I also um, one of the things that I would do almost every year with my mom in the falls, we would go up to um, the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina, um, outside of Maggie Valley. And there is a um, there's a really cool town called um, I think it's called I'm trying to think we get the name wrong but it's like Kathlahoochee. and it's a um, it's a small town that they evacuated because the Tennessee uh, Tennessee Valley River Authority was going to um, was going to flood it, um, but then they decided not to. But they've preserved it as just sort of like a historical place. Anyway, you take all these little paths up in the in the hills, and you can find these cemeteries. You sort of happen upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's one of, that was one of my favorite things to do was to um, to like hike up these really steep hills to go visit these cemeteries that almost no one ever visits because they're so inconvenient. But you know, a little small, like ten, like maybe ten graves there or whatever. We also had a cemetery at my seminary in Virginia, and every year we would do um, our on on um, on Halloween we would do a service in the cemetery um, to commemorate the dead. So I've spent, spent a lot of time in yeah, cemeteries. I- I've been through a few, like the, the one we've all been to in West Palm, of course. And then there's um, two that stick out the most is one, when I traveled to, to Europe, when you walk around like London or like a town like Birmingham, um, you will just stumble across a grave. <laughs> like there, there are so many cemeteries in, right. in England, like, and they're just like, they're all like eroded like they're all over overgrown like plants all around them and stuff and like you'll just be kind of wading through like oh i'm at a park and oh my gosh there's a tombstone yeah i actually thought it was kind of cool because people like hang out in cemeteries all day in England, apparently yeah well the, and the coolest i mean I, I think the coolest cemetery that i've ever been to was in jerusalem um it's nice. basically the mount of olives like the entire mountain is a jewish cemetery at this point like it, it's insane huge jp like as far as you can see there's graves uh, um, and that's rooted in this belief that when the Messiah appears in, in Judaism, when the Messiah appears, the Messiah will walk down the uh, Mount of Olives and into the Eastern Gate. And as he's walking, the graves will pop open and the dead will will rise up and follow him in. Um, okay. Which is kind of cool. Well, sure. And also, hey, it's, um, it's what Christians believe too. And also, when JP and I went to Fan Expo Dallas, we technically hung out in the cemetery a lot during the breaks because that's what oh, that's was right. all the entire back of that building was a cemetery. Yeah, it was weird. It was that's it was an weird. odd placement, but yeah, whenever you walked outside, it was oh hey look we're in a cemetery <laughs> and there's just people <laughs> walking around on their cell phones um, and stuff, <laughs> dressed yeah, up like superheroes. I think the saddest cemetery I've ever been to um, was the Hollywood Forever cemetery um it's it's kind of like the most known cemetery in hollywood where like a lot of like legendary film stars and directors are buried and it's it's just it's just kind of weird right because you know i i spent all these years studying all these filmmakers and these artists and stuff and then i i visited their graves and it's like 
you know, you envy their lives and you watch all these great things that they do. And it's like, it just ends right here. Got a little tombstone. That's it. Yep. And I think that I think the weirdest one for me was was Cecil B. DeMille's uh, grave. One of the greatest filmmakers of all time. One of the first filmmakers of all time made these enormous movies. He was just larger than life. And he's just got this really modest above ground grave right next to his wife. And it just says DeMille. Contrast that with Douglas, the actors, uh, Douglas Fairbanks, Douglas Fairbanks Jr. And it's like this enormous, like, memorial dedicated to, like, royalty. It's like a, they have, like, their own pond. There's, it's oh, like, wow. this, there's, like, these, these huge, like, walls being, like, erected. And it's like, they're, they're buried right next to each other. Like, their heads are, look like, 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 I don't know, like, presidents on coins on these walls next to each other. I'm like, whoa. Um, but it, it it was weird being there, you know, me being obsessed with film and following all these lives and me like just starting in my career and like seeing where these people's careers like basically ended, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it kind of messes with you because it's also the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It's not like, it's not that nice. It's kind of, kind of grody because it's sort of like in, it's in Hollywood and Hollywood itself is not a nice area, but it was just, uh. I don't know. It was a weird kind of confronting mortality and also like like the craft that I was obsessed with, the job that I wanted, like and just seeing like the result of all of it. You know what I mean? Right. Where so, it all eventually ends. Yeah. It makes me think of um, in the Middle Ages something known as the dance macabre, um, you know, because in the Middle Ages, the plague was such a big thing. And so. Um, you'll sometimes see these um, these like these wood carving image like wood carved you know prints or whatever in, in books of these skeletons dancing, yeah. and it was done because death was a great equalizer. Everyone recognized we're all going to die, yeah. So we might as well dance in the face of it, um, right. you know. And that, that that kind of attitude of it doesn't matter the 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 the, the greatest king to the poorest peasant, they both wind up in the same place, right. And, you know, that some people can see that as really negative and dark, but in a way that's, it's kind of, it's, I don't know if it's beautiful is the right word, but <laughs> the fact that, you know, that like Cecil B. DeMille can have this tiny little grave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know? it, there are lots of that stuff like that. Even like, you know, Faye Ray, who played, who was in King Kong, legendary yeah. actress. She's just a little plaque right next to a, a little bench. Right. I'm like, wow. Okay. That, that, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I was at the National Cathedral, and if you go in one of the crypt chapels of the National Cathedral, you can just sort of stumble upon the grave of Helen Keller. Oh, wow, it's really? Like, there it is. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's just it's just there. Um, and um, what's really touching about it though is the um, and there's no pun in, intended in this because there's um, her name's in Braille, um, and um, but the where the Braille of her name is is like worn, like it's like polished, like. The brass is polished from all the people who've touched it, all the blind oh, wow. people who've touched oh, wow. it to read it. It's pretty amazing. But it just all makes me think of um, this all makes me think of my my favorite my favorite tombstone. It's in the um, it's in the cemetery at St. Paul's Church in Key West, Episcopal yeah. Church in Key West, very large church. Is it St. Paul's Duval Street or St. Peter's? I think it's St. Paul's. Anyway, the big church in Duval Street in Key West, and the headstone says. And this is a this is not a joke, like this is for real. It says, "I told you I was sick." <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, well, let me let me shift gears here a little. Matt, can I ask you a question? No. 
No, I'm just yeah, kidding. You've been, been really quiet, Matt. Is it because I'm not in the room with you? No, like, I'm, do I bring it out of you? You you do, but also I'm just I'm I'm listening and I'm waiting. I'm, I'm listening and waiting. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> are you afraid of death? Am I afraid of death? That's a loaded yeah. question. You know how we do things here. Yeah, I mean, you know how we do what we do. Um, I w- I would say it really depends on like what moment you ask. I think that that's an ongoing thing in life where like you have these right moments. now, this minute, this second, right this very second. I'm a little afraid that you like have a plan I don't know about <laughs> and that my death Surprise, could be sudden. Pumpkins. I'm sitting in this office by myself. Um, the lights are not working in the parking lot, so it is very very dark and inside and outside. Um, so right at this moment, there could be a slight fear of death. Um, I would say that that it really does it depends on like what moment in life you ask and then also um i think a lot of times what we're afraid of is the means of death is what scares us the most um because death is almost too big for us to wrap our head around sometime to even be afraid of so it's more like we're afraid of how like how how's that gonna happen like what's 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 gonna happen <laughs> like um when He's talking. So, he's talking about sharks. He's yeah. afraid of. He's, it's, I'm <laughs> very afraid of that death. Death by razor sharp teeth. Yes. Um, that well, is the worst one. Well, here's a better question. Are you more afraid of when you'll die or how you'll die? Ooh, oh, that's a good question. Oh no, I'm more afraid of how. That, that's <laughs> like if I'm gonna, <laughs> if I'm gonna die peacefully in my sleep, I'm a lot less afraid of when that's gonna happen. Um, if I'm going to die violently, um, it doesn't matter when it happens. I'm afraid of that. (laughs) What about um, you, Chuck? What? Are you more afraid of when you die or how you die? That's, mm, I really don't know. I think I'm probably more afraid of when than how. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because there's just so much, man. Like there's so much life that I want to like experience. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to watch my kids grow up and, you know, I want to I want to know what it's like to have grandkids. Like I want to know, you know, I, I want to see like what crazy kind of stuff we're going to invent. You know, maybe 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 within our lifetime, I'll get to fly to the moon or something. So you've got you some know? you got some FOMO going on, right? Some uh, fear of missing out. Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I think when I think when I think about death, like that's the thing that kind of freaks me. I was funny. You mentioned this. I was talking to Kane about this the other night. We were both trying to sleep and um, it's like. What, what really like rocks my brain is the idea that like there's all this cool stuff that I know that we have potential for as a human race and much of it I'll not get to experience, mm. you know, like we very well could have like an entire civil like we could we could basically have Star Trek, right? Like like that could happen, you know, Star Trek takes place like 300 years from now. So like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to live to be, you know, 400 years old. I'm not going to experience that. You, well, know, you, so like, you could also be missing out on nuclear winter. So, I mean, that is true, too. <laughs> that is true, too. Um, um, I can make a political joke. and I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, November I mean, 9th. There you go. Um, or 29th. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bad, too, that, that, that we could miss out on. Um, you know, like um, I think of the movie Interstellar, which deals with the idea of humanity basically running out of food yeah what are you laughing at matt 
If you honestly need to know, JP's, JP's smelling himself. I, just, I, I smell. I smell today. Do you he's smell just, like death? He's just like, like while you're <laughs> just, talking. I, just... I smell. I'm sorry. I don't mean to distract you guys. I didn't. Now the thing, the thing is, I'm like, like smelling. While you're doing that, I'm not even paying attention because like it's so weird for me to like stare at this computer screen because I can see my own reflection, so it's so distracting. <laughs> so like I'm staring at this friggin' baseball on my desk. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, but anyway, yes. Yeah, so I, I think I'm probably more afraid of when than how. I'm afraid of both. I'm afraid of it all. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any of it. So you're afraid uh, of death. Yeah. You, the horror guy, you, the Halloween fan, you, the person who thinks it's so important to like focus on this stuff because it lets us depower death a little bit. You're the one who's afraid of death. It is. That's I why think it is. And I, th- and I think maybe it's why I do all that problem. stuff. Yeah, it's, it's why I think it might it. be. It's probably because it's my greatest fear. <laughs> well, that well, you know, I I mean, there's some other attachments to it. Like, I, I'm actually more afraid of dying alone than anything. Okay. That's actually my biggest fear than just actual dying, dying alone. It, I remember it, I remember I had a um, I, I experienced my first panic attack like two years ago. Yeah. And I was sitting in this very office where I'm at actually in this chair when it happened. And my parish administrator had gone home. So I was alone in my office. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kana is at my house, you know, which was at the time 30 minutes away. And I just remember like having this panic attack. And I didn't know what was happening to me. Like, I thought I was maybe having a heart attack or something. Mm-hmm. And I just remember sitting in my chair and the thought occurred to me that was like, the, the thing that ran through my mind was, if I'm dying, I think it was like a Friday too. It's like, it's going to be several days before anyone finds me. You know, <laughs> like, it's just like, and just like that thought of, yeah. So I don't know if this is really morbid. Maybe we don't have to share this on the episode. But no, this is what the episode is about, man. We're going to get like, morbid. I was like, say- I had that, but I had that. So I, I, I know that fear, man, that like idea of like dying alone of like, just no one being there, you know, no one to say goodbye to. Like that's a that's a that's a that's a really really scary experience. Yeah, Matt, you were gonna say something? No, I was just gonna say you can find a little comfort in the fact that I don't think it would have taken several days for Kana to drive up to the school to well, find out what happened to you. <laughs> that's true, but so. I think the idea of like of like having to be found in some maybe like potentially un, like undignified place, you know, like just sort of like someone having to walk into your office and find you sort of like slumped over your desk or, mm-hmm. you know, like falling out on your floor. Like, you know, I don't know. That's just like, that's just a really horrible thought. Yeah. Um, so, well, well, and I think JP, um, JP's interest in horror movies and stuff while being afraid of death, um, it fits nicely JP into the conversation from that episode of black mirror with Playtest, where the guy is talking about why we enjoy being afraid and he's like, because at the end of it, you're like, I'm still alive and I'm still here. And it allows you to feel more alive because you confronted your fear in a setting mm-hmm. that didn't actually have power to do anything to you. Playtest? Your Guys, nightmare on screen? <laughs> it, it wasn't just like the, the idea, just that the things the character confronts is like a million things that I feel like I confront with all my anxiety and stuff like it, it's it tapped into like uh, all of my deepest darkest fears including and it might have been <laughs> even spiders <laughs> i've i've never i've not yet watched black mirror oh you should man 
And you know it's an anthology, so you can just watch whichever episode. You know? Yeah, I I, no I only saw a couple episodes of season one, and then I skipped st straight to season three right now because everybody's talking about it. So I just went to the yeah. new ones. I would be interested in your thoughts on on playtest, the one we're talking about right now, actually, check it, which actually stars Wyatt Russell, the son of uh, Kurt Russell. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's actually really good. Kurt um, Russell would name his son Wyatt. He, I, that's exactly what I said when I found. He out. is. He is really good in that episode at being really bad. And what I mean by yeah. that is, like, he is annoying <laughs> throughout most of the episode. He is. And, like, he's really good at, uh, you can tell he's really good at acting because he comes across as totally annoying. And, yeah. like, but in such a way that you 100% believe this guy would annoy the crap out of you if you're in the room with him. <laughs> yeah, and his, his performance comes full circle because once he starts experiencing the fear, like, you totally buy it. Like, this mm -hmm. guy is freaking out. Um, but yeah, so like, yeah, there's a lot of fears in that episode. Uh, a great episode, by the way, I think it kind of goes without saying that, that, uh, you guys believe in an afterlife, right? Yes. Yes. Well, well what do you think happens when you die? Are you talking to me or Matt? No, this is just, I'm just throwing it in there. Just I'm watching, I'm watching Matt do his like nervous energy thing with his, with his fingers. I used to do that. Um, I still do. I think Matt wants to think about it for a second. So I'll Matt you wants to think there. about it for a second. So I'll, so I'll be the one who just rambles. You know, I've I've become very interested in what the church, what what Christians have long, have believed. And what's interesting is that what Christians nowadays say happens is not what Christians have long believed. Um, this idea that you die and that you're either in heaven or hell, right, is is very new, in a lot of ways. Is um, it? It is. Um, like how new would you say it is? Um. Probably, I mean, at least since, at least since some of the Puritan stuff in the, in the New World. Interesting. Um, yeah, um, N.T. Wright, New Testament scholar, has written a very interesting book. Um, it's called uh, The Day the Revolution Began, and it's all about how the crucifixion changes the world. And the crucifixion of Jesus changes the world. And he talks about this, and he, he talks about how this is much more of an Epicurean way of thinking than it was ever a Christian way of thinking. But that's a, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. But um, but the um, for the ancient for a lot of the ancient church was this idea that um, when you died, um, you were awaiting the resurrection uh, of the body. You weren't. You know, once the resurrection happened, then there was a determination whether or not you were going to be in God's presence or you were going to be um, in some form of eternal punishment or whatever. Um, so what I think happens when we die is I, I effectively think it's probably a lot like when you go to sleep, like when you go into a really deep sleep, you know, like if you take a, you go to sleep and in several hours you just wake up. Like I tend to think that that's going to be what it's like for us. It's just sort of nothing. And then one day we're back from the dead however far into the future it is interesting um but yeah that's that's pretty much what i typically think is going to happen um but like a kryptonian stasis if you will sure <laughs> i don't know um you got to keep it real here man you gotta... <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i mean that i mean it's you know do i think you know uh, that i'll you know see my loved ones and all that kind of stuff i mean maybe I, you know i don't know like my grandmother my grandmother had an experience um where she basically died on the table during a botched um, procedure, and she talked about like seeing her, you know, meeting her, um, her you know, seeing her mom and dad again, and actually meeting um, the the son that she had who died when he was only a few days old, um, but seeing him as like an adult and having a conversation with him, um, and so like you know, I, I, you know, is that was that just sort of something that her brain was doing? 
Mm-hmm. Or was that a real supernatural, you know, experience? I don't know. But is there a difference? That's a very good question. What about you, Matt? What do you think is going to happen once you die? Well, I uh, I definitely believe in an afterlife. That's part of the, the faith that I, I take very seriously and hold to. And the hope that I have, which is why I believe that we don't need to be as afraid of death as we are because there is there is a hope after um but i believe probably something that's that's different than a lot of people in my circles would say i believe that uh the afterlife won't look as different as people think as what it is now i think that we were placed here and created to live here and meant to grow and thrive and take care of the world and order it and I believe that the Bible ends with a depiction of a city, a new city, um, giving the idea that it does progress and move forward. Um, so I think life after death will look a lot like life right now, just minus the negatives, in my opinion. Yes. Um, so it'll be, it'll be life the way it was intended to be. So, um, but I think it'll look very similar. I think we'll be shocked at how, at how much it will be normal. Um, I think that our day day to day existence will won't look very different other than the fact that it will be it'll be the way it's intended. There will be no no negative aspects to it, no selfishness or arrogance or pride. It'll just be that Star Trek that Chuck is waiting for. <laughs> I think that uh, so see Chuck, you won't miss out. You'll be here anyway. We'll, we'll yeah, I'm just saying I think it's like like I mean, think about like I, I like to imagine this, like Matt, because I, I agree with you that I think what, what we're what the the picture that's painted in 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 the in the Christian scriptures is that it's very much like our existence, just perfect, right? Like all the all the crap is just gone. Um, so like, you don't die. So there's no constraint of time on you. Um, you don't have to eat. You can eat if you want to, but it's not necessary. Like, how does that just those two things right there? Like, you don't have to fight for resources. You don't have to fight for scarcity. There's no scarcity anymore. Like, how does that change everything? That is that is an incredible way of thinking. Yeah, but but that's what I that's what I think too. Like, um, if you look at Genesis and how the world was created, God's intention for us was to live here, and there right. was always there was always the. I mean, he, he creates man and woman, he, he creates humanity, and then he places on them the, the call to go be fruitful, multiply, to, to care for the world and order it. Um, so I think things like, like business, caring for the world, ordering of goods and services, these things are, are built into our very creation and therefore are part of what we were meant to be. So what I think... Um, life after death is like is it's it's almost and I realize with I think of it as almost like an endless cycle of life without death at the end it's just a it's just life I mean the garden that we were placed here on the earth that was created was meant to grow to change because we think of like like Chuck said he believes it's going to be a lot like what it is now just perfect and we have this false idea um, at least in Western culture, we have this false idea of perfection when it comes to things like this as being like static, meaning when I reach right. perfection, it stops there because I'm as perfect, like I'm perfect. You can't get any better than perfect, so it stops. 
but the garden was created to grow, created to change, to go through seasons. To, the, the trees were created to bring forth new trees with same fruit. Um, so perfection was for it to continue and thrive. That's what perfection was, for it to grow, to thrive, um, and to carry on. So I feel like that's, that's, what, that's what we'll be doing. We'll just be, be living a life that's free of all the, all the things that separate us from what we were supposed to be. So it'll be unified. It will be purpose, purposeful. It will be taking care of one another. Everybody's needs met. Um, goods, goods shared equally while the planet itself is completely cared for and thrives. And it's just everything working the way it was intended to work. And um, I think it'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, we're not going to turn into like cocoon aliens, right? No, no cocoon I mean, can aliens. I, can At I least... confirm that from the both of you? Like, you, Chuck, you're a man of the cloth. Matt, you work at church. Uh, uh, I mean, at confirm least for me that we're not going to turn into cocoon aliens. At least I, my my interpretation of scripture, I would say that you're safe to not worry about cocoon aliens. But there could be somebody that interprets something differently, and you'd have to ask them where they got it from. <laughs> I mean, I I don't think so. But I mean, okay. Saint Paul does say that the resurrected body will be as different from this body as a tree is from the seed from which it sprouts. So, like, okay. I don't know, man. Like. You know, maybe this uh, Darren, is why I'm afraid Darren, of death. Maybe this is why I'm afraid of death. I don't want to be a cocoon alien. Darren Aronofsky, man, like you know, in in Noah, he depicts Adam and Eve, perfect humans, as basically cocoon aliens. So it's no, possible. I don't like it. I don't like it's it, possible. sir. I don't like it. Don't like it. I should tell You'll the like audience. it when it happens to you. I'll t- I should tell the audience. When I was very young, little boy, there is a movie called Cocoon that was very popular <laughs> in the '80s. It's a great movie, <laughs> starring the, the incomparable Wil- Wilfred Brimley. Jessica uh, Tandy. Jessica Tandy. And, of course, Steve Gutenberg. Oh, the and, goot. And I won't go into talk. I'll, you know what? Look it up. You have the internet. Look it up what, what Cocoon is about. But they're aliens, and and they look like people, very attractive people. And then they take their skin off, and they're like these glowing, floating celestial bodies. And I watched that for the first time when I was a kid, and it scared me a little. I was watching it with my mom, and my mom looked at me, and she said, that's what we're going to look like in heaven. And it scared me. <laughs> it really... Wait, wait. I didn't wait. Part about it. They need to clarify. Um, are we going to look like these floating celestial bodies, or are we going to look like the attractive human beings? Because <laughs> that makes that makes a big difference here. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's see. Which one? The floating celestial bodies. The one that gave me nightmares, Matt. <laughs> when, it, when it looks through the closet, like between like the slats at... Yeah, when Steve Gutenberg was looking through the yeah, the aisle and then as yeah. a very attractive woman, and then she turned into a monstrosity. Yeah, I've never it's seen a it. glowing, it's a glowing, a glowing monstrosity. Do you want to do you want to know my favorite thing about Cocoon? What? If you buy the DVD in the extras menu, you can find Cocoon Two: The Return. <laughs> the sequel is an extra. It's like the fly in the flight. It's the same thing. Yeah, right. And also, Teen Wolf Two is is a is a is a is a menu option in. I don't know. You know, there's something very unsettling about this for me, and I don't know. I don't know if it's here. I'm gonna. Can I? Can I say something? You actually, I legitimately. I think I've, one of these days we should talk about the rapture. Um, I used to be terrified of eternity. Like I used to have these. Like there'd be these times where I'd be driving with my mom, and I'd be like looking at a sunset, and for some reason, like that's that was the image of eternity for me. It's just like eternal sunset, and like I would be terrified. 
of the idea of eternity. I don't know why it was just such a huge concept for me, but I think ultimately what it was, was that I was afraid that I wasn't going to like eternity and I was going to be stuck with something that I didn't like. That's, that's um, sort of a fear for me too. Yeah. Like my, my, I, you know, my pastor, you know, this is a joke I probably made before in, in, in a sermon I've preached, but like my pastor growing up used to say that, um, that heaven was going to be like a, like a Baptist church service that lasted forever. And you know, that, that's sometimes <laughs> I heard that too. <laughs> it, like it, it honestly, it honestly, it made me reconsider hell. Not going to lie. <laughs> not going to lie. And then something my youth pastor, um, Eddie said to me once that really changed my feeling on it. He said that, um, it's not that, that heaven is not so, or eternity or however you want to define it. It's not so much about, it's not all about getting what you want, but it's about wanting what you get. That the, the the desires that we have will be perfected, and so we will be completely satisfied with whatever it is. So if you are a cocoon alien, JP, you'll like it. I don't. You'll, be, you'll accept it. I can't you imagine know. a worse hell right now, Chuck. <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna like it. No. I love that the cocoon alien is like the thing that like really freaks you out. Like you've watched some really disturbing movies and like the cocoon alien is like the most terrifying alien you've ever seen in cinema history. It really is. I'm more the xenomorph from, from Ridley Scott's alien. Nope. More than the xenomorph. The monsters from, from pitch black. Nothing signs. Nah. Fire in the sky. Nope. Um, I mean, it comes close cause they're a little, they're, they're a little comparable, right? A little bit. The difference is that they glow. So, yeah, I mean, because they're, they're human-like. They're glow and they float. <laughs> they, and I guess they phase. Do they phase through the walls? I haven't seen Cocoon in a long time. I just, uh, I, uh, I, only, I only have the scars. So that's what, that's my reference point, are the scars. Actually, yeah, they do phase through walls, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this episode took a weird turn, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, wow. I hate to say it, guys, but we are, we are out of time. Oh, man, it's a short episode. I know. It is. Hey, um, our listeners are probably grateful. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Man, it's only an hour long. But you know what? <laughs> We've got our whole lives, right? We we'll do. We'll probably talk about it more. That's actually a true statement. No matter what, you have your whole life. That's well, very true. And that's, However that's, long it's going to be, that's your whole life. That's one thing that uh, not not a theological statement on the discussion of eternity, but one way that... I think about eternity that helps, like you said, you have this anxiety over eternity when you're younger. The way I think about it that helps is now is the only reference point I have for eternity. And what I mean by that is it's always now. Um, tomorrow right. is my memory. I mean, tomorrow may not happen. Yesterday is just my memory. All I have is right now. So now is my construct of eternity. I really see no end to now, which is why some people have um, kind of a, a false sense of invincibility because they have they, they don't see anything other than right now. Um, but right now is its own form of like an eternity because also the, the idea of eternity, we think of eternity as everlasting, whereas there's a much deeper concept to the idea of eternity. I believe as far as the afterlife in the Bible, I do believe that eternity is everlasting, but I also think that eternity is more than that. It's this... It's this now. It's this time that almost transcends time. It's kind of like a, the only kind of concept I can give you is like when you sit in class at school when you're in high school and you're watching the clock and each minute felt like six hours and then you go home and you're doing something fun and an hour goes by like a couple seconds. 
that's kind of like this almost idea of like eternity, how it works is it's this concept, this construct outside of like our, our idea of time itself. So now is the way I understand eternity. So the choice I make now, what I do now, what I take part in now, if there are things that fill me with life and things that work toward my purpose, then that's an eternity that I could be like, oh yeah, man, I could see this going on forever. Um, if I'm taking part in things that cause suffering or hurt me or cause anxiety, then I would go, oh, this is an eternity I, I, I wouldn't want to be a part of. Um, so if you think of now as your construct of what eternity is like, I think it's also a way that you'll see your life take a take a different path, go in a better direction. Right. So That's yeah. nice. Eternal quality as well um, as, yep, quantity. Right. Um, so I, I wanted to talk about this book. Um, there was also an article called the, uh, the, the Five Regrets of Dying. It was written by this nurse who was a hospice nurse. And she stayed with a lot of people who were in their last moments. Some of them were alone. Some of them were family. But she was usually the last person they saw. And she met so many of them. She thought that she would ask them, like, what are you, what, what do you regret the most now that, you know, you are where you are? And um, she wrote a whole book on this. And I would love to read it. I haven't read it. But there's, there's articles and stuff about it. Um, this one's from the Huffington Post. But I think it would be good to kind of end it here by saying that, you know, we can't really control um, I mean, I guess we could control how we're going to die if we could just kill ourselves right now if we wanted to. But for the most part, we can't really control when or how we'll die, but we can control how we live. And um, I kind of want to just end it with these five regrets that this uh, nurse discovered while working with these people. So number one, she said, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Uh, number two was, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Number three was, I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Uh, number four was, I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. And number five was, I wish that I had let myself be happier. Huh. So these are not like that difficult, you know? Right. They're very, they're very simple. They're not very complex. But they are all things that we totally do take for granted in our day-to-day lives. But I think that they're important to think about. No, and, totally. Yeah, so I just thought it would be nice to end it there. That you may not be able to control when or how you die. You might be afraid of it. Maybe you're not. But you can control what you do today and tomorrow. Absolutely. So thank you so much for joining us. Join us next week about my ongoing LaCroix addiction. <laughs> Be talking about that. I'll be entering rehab pretty soon. Now we were this one's uh, kiwi and watermelon, by the way. Yeah, pretty good. good. I've heard good things about the uh, coconut one. I've been kind of curious about that. Ooh, what? Yeah. Oh no. Okay, I'm not going to rehab. <laughs> you said no, no, no. <laughs> um. So, so quick question for the sake of our listeners. Okay. Um. I know that we wanted to do a Halloween episode, like yeah. just an episode on the subject of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to do that next week? Yes, we are. That will be the last, our last episode of for October will be uh, our Halloween discussion. But yeah, join us next week where we actually will be talking about Halloween and everything that's awesome about it. Ooh.
Thank you for joining us. Uh, Father Chuck, thank you. Matt Wells, thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Good journey. Good journey. When I die in the name of the rest, gonna go to the place that's the best.